0: I know he has a lot to tell you about what's coming. Maybe some of the stuff that's happening in the world today is uh, just right in line with what he has to say. Because I personally believe that things are getting a lot shorter, a lot faster than we might believe. So here with his, his sermon today is Mr. Mark McGarvey, revealing the Revelation, part three, the seven churches. Thank you, Ron. Good afternoon, everyone. Can you you hear me okay in the back? Okay, good. Yeah, I wanted to carry on um, uh, this message I gave. I gave a short one, but it's kind of rushed and hurried. The last message I gave before the feast Um, didn't quite have enough time to get the message across. So, yeah, I just wanted to today look at... uh, Chapters 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation, uh, which talks about the seven churches. Um, and we're going to look at uh, those two chapters, 2 and 3, where the disciple John, in his older years, between, uh, most theologians agree, between the years 80 AD and 100 AD, um, John received these tremendous visions given to him by, by Jesus Christ. And Jesus showed John what was to happen to these seven churches, um, both in John's lifetime in the first century, then also down through the ages in the eras of the seven churches, and then, of course, on through to the end times and return of Jesus Christ. So, the bigger question to start this, to preface this, then is so, do we need to know about this, this end time prophecy? And the answer is absolutely yes. Because, as I mentioned in my last message, uh, Christ tells us to be awake and be aware. And he says that throughout these these chapters 2 and 3. He's telling the people, he's telling John, be awake, be alert, be ready. Because, not only that, we don't want to have to water our doctrine down, and we don't want to lose our sense of urgency, and therefore, Christ comes like a thief in the night, like it says. So, if Brian, if you can pull that that one map up for me, let's just show people here basically what we're talking about here. This is uh, what the seven churches are. Book Revelations. We have in order. This is my pointer today, my grabber. So uh, the best I can do. I don't, I'm not a teacher. I don't have a pointing stick. So, but uh, it's basically actually in anti-clockwise, or sorry, no, clockwise, the way it goes. Ephesus being the first church that is mentioned in Chapter 2, followed by Smyrna, then Pergamos, which is also known, which was also known as Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea down here, see. So it's not a very big area, all in what was called Asia Minor, or which is modern-day Turkey. May have to use the pointer later on, but... That there for now. So that gives you a basic, a, a general idea of where these seven churches' revelation are. You know, you have the Mediterranean Sea right there, Israel and Judah right here, Egypt down here. Uh, and just again to point out a, a general idea, this is Greece, Italy, Sicily. Uh, and this is Asia Minor or what is modern-day Turkey, the Black Sea above it. So... Um, So that gives you just a, a general idea of the area that we're talking about here, you know, starting off 2,000 years ago. I'm not sure where the island of Patmos is in there, I'm sure. Oh, there it is, it's on the map, Patmos. Didn't even notice that earlier. It's one of these small islands down here where John was exiled to. So that's the seven churches that we're talking about, where they were physically at that time. So, my study Bible says about these churches, these churches held, quote, these churches held significant roles in the spread of Christianity in Asia Minor as a result of their location within a transportation network linking different parts of the region, end quote. Of course, this is all Roman Empire. So, before we begin in uh, well, well, let's go to turn to chapter 2, Revelation, for those who you want to follow along in your Bibles. And uh, the first church we'll be looking at is Ephesus. And, of course, this is, of course, the same city that Paul had written to 20 to 30 years before uh, John's vision for the book of Ephesians. And Ephesus was the second capital of the Roman province of Asia. The first capital, for a short time, was ironically one of the other seven churches, Pergamos. So, um, and like a lot of the other churches, uh, church areas in Greece and Turkey at that time in the first century, the Christians were always having to deal with the paganism and the idolatry, which was running rampant, the Hellenistic and the Roman. Uh, persuasions that were going on at the time and so in Ephesus for example there was a massive temple uh, for the fertility goddess Diana and it was one of the seven ancient wonders of the world at the time Um, but the apostle Paul used the city as a center for his missionary work um, in that region because it was a good hub for him to go from the various places back to Rome back over to, to Judah and so on. So let's go, yeah, let's begin in chapter 2, and we'll start there. So let's go through this and, and look at uh, what John has been told by, by Christ. One second, let me get my stuff sorted out here. There we go. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, Therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God so the bigger message here is do we promote compromise with truth? You've lost your first love, Christ tells the people of Ephesus. Remember that love we had for Christ when he first called us. And that's what he's reminded the Ephesians here. Remember that first love you had for your brothers and sisters in Christ. But also, not only that, but a love for the truth and God's word. And as it says here in, uh, in verse 2, I will remove your lampstand from its place, is a warning to all the churches. Because in chapter 1, if you remember, we read that in the vision, Jesus comes to John holding seven lampstands and seven stars. The seven lampstands be the seven churches, which we'll talk about today, and the seven stars. Are the seven angels who guide over those churches? And Christ says, I will remove that lampstand if you do not obey me and listen to what I'm telling you here today, or at this time. Um, because it was an incredibly ungodly society. As I mentioned, Ephesus was one of these places where the idolatry was rampant. The, a temple to the goddess Diana, the fertility goddess. So you just imagine what the, these first century Christians had to deal with each and every day to see this this stuff all over the place. Idols and everything everywhere. Um, and the Nicolaitans, why was this thrown there? Well, the Nicolaitans were a group um, that they were a heretical group whose teaching, teachings and practice um, were immoral and idolatrous. And he mentions it not only to the Ephesian church, but to one of the other churches too later on. And it's interesting because um, me and my wife, Dala, went to uh, Greece on our honeymoon back in 2001. And uh, we took a day trip up to uh, Corinth, the Corinthians, you know, uh, back in uh, July or August 2001. And it's interesting because, like Ephesus, Corinth was one of these metropolises of the day, back in the day, 2,000 years ago. But when you walk around it today, it's more like a village, in the, the, the actual size. I mean, not even maybe a mile across each way, not very big at all. Of course, there wasn't many people there. There's a lot, lot of tourists and so on. Maybe if there's 100,000 people there, it would look busier. But in terms of geographical size compared to today's cities, just imagine if one of those peoples from that time was transported to New York or or London, or Paris now, how much they would be, you know, thrown by the size and the numbers. But um, when, when we actually were there, uh, the, the old temple, most of it was in ruins, but the columns, a lot of the columns were still standing. Um, and it, it's it, it was an incredible um, feats of engineering they did, but of course, for the wrong reasons, in this, in this case, the idolatry and so on. So, Jesus warning. him. To this first church. Don't lose your first love. Remember, come back to it. So let's move on to the second church. We'll kind of breeze through and just talk briefly about each one as we go. Second one is Smyrna. So we'll carry on here in chapter 2 and verse 8. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, these things, says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich and I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. And this is, the, each church in, in my New King James has a title. This is the persecuted church. Um, and it's basically talking about the need to endure suffering. Because we all do. We've all had instances in our life where we have to go through trials and tribulations And the book of Revelation um, shows us how much more persecution and tribulation there is to come. Unfortunately for us Christians, that is ahead. But um, do we have the quality of faith that Jesus wants to see in us? And the first and the last, Christ is in control of history. And by saying, came to life, He's in control of life and death. God is working in us, but we don't always see it, do we? He's working through us. We don't always know why that we suffer and why we have tribulation, but we must keep our eyes on him. And Smyrna was a, was a big supporter of Rome. Um, anyone not showing that allegiance was suspect. So again, like Ephesus, like a lot of these places, the Christians sometimes would have to hide, go underground, as it were, and not make the, the presence known so much. So you can imagine what it must have been like, uh, probably similar, something similar to what you have to do as a Christian in modern-day China or, or, or the like. You know, Very hard to uh, get out there, and you, can't exactly, uh, you couldn't exactly go to uh, Beijing and put posters up about your next meeting of the, the church you want to have and so on. You just couldn't get away with it. And so I'm sure it was this way for a lot of these churches in Asia Minor back in the time. The power of Rome was incredible. And we saw it in, in Jesus' life himself. What all happened, they had the power of life and death for these people. They were under their subjugation. And the people in Asia Minor, Turkey, had to deal with this. And Those who were Christians had a hard life. But it it was a big supporter of Rome. um, And like I mentioned earlier, all part of this transportation network that went through the Roman Empire. So a very, very busy area. And a lot of these churches became rich in this area because of that. There was a lot of wealth in these areas at that time. But Christ will, will carry us through any trial because the spirit he has in us. No matter how difficult life can be, we can find a way through. And for those who die while staying true to Christ, they will not be affected by the second death. As he says here in uh, in verse 10. And that's a wonderful promise that he gives. So let's move on to the third church here. The church in Pergamos. And... uh, Got a little headline here in my book, my Bible, The Compromising Church. So let's begin here in verse 12. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos, write, These things, says he who has the sharp two-edged sword, I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and, and you hold fast to my name, and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr. This is not the same Herod Antipas or anything, this is a different Antipas, (coughs) a Christian. Um, He was a martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. Because you Because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balin, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, like he wrote to Ephesus. They also b- had the doctrines of this Nicol- Nicolaitan group. Which thing I hate, Jesus tells John, tells the people of Pogamas. The Nicolaitans, the sp- spreaders of immorality and idolatry, Jesus hates. <coughs> Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. And actually, now, Brian, if you could put that other table up that I sent you, this just gives you a brief overview of the blessings and the cursings. and I showed this to you before in my last message. Seven Churches of the Apocalypse, which is also known by. And here on the left, you've got each church in uh, the order. Ephesus, Myrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea, commendation, criticism, instruction, and a promise for each one. I hope you can see that, everyone. I mean, it's not the greatest, not the greatest vision, is it? I'm sorry about that, but get your glasses on. Or, you know. But... Um, yeah, so, so each one has a commendation, and Jesus tells John to tell these, each church, this is what I see, this is what's happening, this is what you're doing wrong, I have an instruction what to do next, and this is the promise, because he gives each church a promise. Not every one of them is condemned, and there's no way back, that's it, you're done for. Each one has a promise, has an instruction, what is to come. So it's it's good. we may have to come back to this, Brian, but just to give you a a general idea, and right now we're talking about uh, Pergamos keeps the faith of Christ, tolerates immorality, idolatry, and heresies, because that was running rampant there. Instruction, repent. This is the promise, hidden manna and a stone with a new name. So... (coughs) This is where Satan dwells. This was a big, big, bad area for the idolatry and everything running rampant there um, because the city rests on the, the top of a hill. I was thinking about getting pictures of each, each one, but that may have been a bit more difficult to, to follow. But this particular city of Pergamos was on the top of a hill with a big open plain below it. Um, and it had a governmental seat there for the Roman Empire, And the idolatry was rampant, as seen in the ruins of the ancient temples there, because there's many ancient temples in ancient Pergamos. Um, And when Jesus says his two-edged sword, he's talking about dealing with the idolatry and the sexual immorality. And Pergamos also, because Pergamos means, in Greek, citadel, and that's another thing which comes. And like I said before, it was briefly the first capital of the uh, Asia Minor for the Roman Empire. Um, it was also said to be the place where parchment was first used. One of the, again, one of these, the things about each one of these churches, they have their riches and they have their wealth. Um, but y- y- you see mentioned here, Balaam, um, Balaam and Balak, and, <coughs> <coughs> sorry, Balaam, false brethren, false preachers, encouraging compromise to partake in the idol worship of the time. This is what was going on. And what does compromise do? Well, for us, it destroys spiritual character. It takes away and makes you not fully commit, doesn't it? And Christ holds the powerful sword of judgment with his two-edged sword. And then the white stone shows a transformed relationship with God. Uh, A new name, which is mentioned later on in later chapters of Revelation. Each one of us is given a new name, which we do not know now. It has not been said what it will be, but we will all be given a new name. But this Pergamos shows that Satan is going to test us in those end times. And how strong is our faith now, our belief in Christ Jesus? Can Satan tempt us away from that relationship we have with him? Again, what Jesus tells his church is be watching, be ready. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So let's move on to the, the next church, the corrupt church, um, Thyatira. So let's read about Thyatira, uh, which begins in... 18, I believe here, yeah, verse 18 of chapter 2, <coughs> and to the angel of the church in Thyatira right? these things, says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and I want to pause there for a second, and I mentioned this in my last message, this is what is awesome about the image of Christ in this vision from John. Now, we look at Jesus Christ in the Gospels, right, and how awesome, how beautiful and how glorious was his word and what and what he went around teaching for three and a half years. But this returning Jesus Christ is the conquering King. Aim, uh, eyes like flames of fire. Just have an image in your mind of what he will look like in this point. Dressed like a high priest, eyes like flaming fire, feet of brass, holding seven lampstands in one hand and seven stars in the other. This is the returning. Conquering Jesus Christ, a very different image to his own life. Just just keep that in your mind, and this is an awesome vision that John was given. Just keep that in mind. This is a returning conquering Jesus Christ. So he has aims he has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. I will kill her children with death and all the the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts and I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now to you I say and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden but hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. And he quotes here, He shall rule them with a rod of iron, they shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessel. And he's quoting there from, from the book of Psalms. As I also received from my father, and I will give him the morning star, and again he who has an ear, let him hear the Spirit says to the churches. This is the corrupt church, Thyatira. So this is what happens to a church that becomes corrupted and allows itself to be be seduced by false teaching. And this is the longest passage to, to all the seven churches, is this one here to Thyatira. But the idolatry and the temples to their gods were rampant here in Thyatira, of course, again. And the goddesses were all over the Roman, uh, Roman Empire, and Thyatira was no different. But uh, as I mentioned in verse 18 there, uh, Jesus' his eyes, flames of fire, you cannot escape his vision either, see. No matter what you do, you cannot escape his vision. And uh, he reminds the church in Thyatira about that. But a little side note on Thyatira. It was a... Uh, it was a manufacturing center. It had, it had uh, metal working factories. Um, again, it was on a major trade route. But all parts of life in Thyatira were affected by idolatry, again, because there were gods for every industry. There was a god for one for brass, for the brass workers. There was a god for the workers of leather. And there was one even for textiles and so on. God, a God or a goddess for everything. <coughs> but some members kept the truth and held firm and produced good works. They were trying. They were doing their best. In amongst all that hullabaloo, they were trying. They were doing good works. And Jesus saw that. Um, and they did not compromise on the truth. But those who do, do not escape the fiery vision of Christ. <coughs> so, but most scholars and theologians agree that there was a woman in this church, whether her name was Jezebel or not, or maybe that was just a term they used, um, but she was leading them into some of them into idolatry, um, and she was destroying spiritual lives by doing all that. Christ moved swiftly after they did not repent. And this is what happened to this church back in the day. He's saying in verse 24, if we worship anything more than Christ, we can reach the depths of Satan. This is what happened if we don't have Christ in our lives. How do we resist idolatry today? Well, it's when something else um, we have or something we do or something that takes our focus off God and takes away from him being our priority, isn't it? That's what idolatry is in the modern modern days. But rulership in the kingdom of God is promised to the Thyatirans. He's saying, overcome the world, overcome this world for us, and prepare to rule with him. And a little interesting note here, um, in verse 27, um, where Christ says, I have also received from my Father, and will give him the morning star, this is there's a reference to this in uh, Revelation 22:16. If Brian can bring that up real quick, Revelation 22:16, the Morning Star. You have that, Brian? There it is. Jesus, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and Morning Star. So Jesus Christ Himself is the Morning Star. He is the morning star. So again, (coughs) he who has an ear, let him hear. The Spirit says to the churches. So let's move on to the the dead church, Sardis. This is chapter 3 now. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. So let's begin in verse 1. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen their things or strengthen the things which remain, that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember therefore how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you uh, therefore if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." So this is a a timely warning to watch and repent. Um, And do not be content with their position. Complacency. They weren't being spiritually alert. Not to rest on their past works, events, culture, and time, because that had eroded that passion they once had for the church and the gospel. See? See? And this r- again reiterates the message to be alert and watchful for the times. And of course that applies to us now as well. To be watching world events in flow with prophecy. And like Steve mentioned, um, you know, keep an eye on what's going on in Israel with the recent attacks from, the, uh, from Hamas. Um, shocking and stunning as we, all, as we all watch that on the the eighth day, the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, to hear that that horrible news, the horrific attack. Um, But as it says in Revelation, and and as Christ said himself in the book of Matthew, this is where it's all going to happen. This is where, you know, ground zero, as it were, will be in the end times, Jerusalem and Israel. So keep an eye on that. Be watching what's happening, you know, what's happening with Lebanon, what are Egypt going to do, what's Iran doing next. You know, what are Russia and China planning in the background quietly while the world's focusing on Israel? What are they doing? Ramping up the attacks on Ukraine, I believe, is what Russia is doing. And China are always up to no good. So we've got to keep an eye on these things, be watching, and be mindful of the, of the times. So, <coughs> um, So. yeah, this part of our look at the seven churches helps us to look at our spiritual condition. You know, again, wake up. Some members had remained true and were strong because the church, well, and the church that is around when Christ returns will also be tr- strong and true and preaching the gospel. We know that. And actually, the, I'm going to flip over to 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 6 because this This tells us how the church will be watching the end times and preaching the the gospel. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 6. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. That's what Jesus was saying to all these seven churches. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. See? Paul's given the same message here. Be sober, be watching. Keep preaching the gospel to the bitter end, this is what we're going to be doing, we need to be doing. But again, there's a a tremendous promise to that church in Sardis. If we overcome all this, be watchful, alert, Christ will give his approval and sing our praises to the Father. And the white garments that he talks about here symbolize God's recognition of godly character and faithful service to this life. So, that is the Church of Sardis. I'm gonna go back here. I've lost my place now. Go back to where we were. Revelation chapter three, verses one through six. That was Sardis. Now we come to um, the faithful Church, Philadelphia. So let's read about the church of Philadelphia, verses one through, or sorry, 7 through uh, 13. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, <coughs> These things, says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. Again, a reference to the new name that will be given. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And by having the key of David, this showed to the church in Philadelphia that Jesus Christ had the authority to do this. He was the head of these new churches, and they understood this. Whereas the Laodicean church, which we'll read about here in a minute, did not recognize that, did not understand that. You have kept my word, he says. You didn't give it up, and Christ showed us the Father, and he has access to the Father. As he told us himself in the Gospel. Through Jesus Christ, we have access to the Father. And by that, the temple uh, cloth being rent in two, that's how it began. Um, and by having access to the Father, you, know, you notice how the Catholic Church, and my parents were Catholics, became Protestants in the, you know, before I was born. And uh, let me tell you, <laughs> I've said this before, Irish Catholics... Transferring of the Protestantism, Protestants is the biggest, was the biggest evil sin they could do, and my apparently, <coughs> my mom's dad never forgave my dad for doing that for taking his daughter away from the Catholic Church. Apparently, so, um, so, maybe I'm glad that happened now before I was born because it must have been uh, some crazy times. Um, but the Catholic Church hardly ever mentions the father. They put more importance on Mary. Have you noticed that? See? How wrong is that? How messed up is that? (coughs) So, um, he says to the the church of Philadelphia, you have a little strength. You are a small church, not a multi-million, you know, not a multi-million dollar church, mega church, but you are humble, small in number. And that's all the churches of God worldwide. We're not massive. There's only maybe a couple of hundred thousand of us we're keeping the truth, we're keeping the Sabbath, we're keeping the Holy Days. There's not many of us, but uh, we're following the, the ways we should be and going following the right path. <coughs> but Christ is an open door. No one can shut it. He opens and closes that door. He has the authority to do so. He controls that. No man or woman can open or close any of these doors. Um, if we are obedient to the scriptures, and do not deny the name of Jesus Christ. So, and he, he, tells, he tells them, I'm coming quickly, like he tells all the other churches, be ready for me. <coughs> and another thing he also says, which is, this is an important thing as well, which, which uh, applies to us today, um, I shall keep you from the hour of tribulation, This is not just the church who is in tribulation, but this is the whole world, you see. Um, He who has an ear, let him hear. Because, uh, I won't go into detail now, but as it mentions in Revelation, I believe, chapter 14, (coughs) those of us who are in the truth, the churches of God, we will be given and shown a place in the wilderness, some call it a place of safety, and we will be taken away from that last year and a half two, three years of the great tribulation before Christ returns. It's there. It's in the book of Revelation. Don't say it isn't, because it's there, okay? A lot of people try to deny that and say, oh, that's not going to happen. Oh, that's all hollow blue. ain't going to happen. Or, no, it's there. you denying the Bible? It's there. It's going to no. happen, okay? So don't even get started on that one. So let's see here if I can find my place. To, uh, let's just finish it off here because we're running in on time by briefly looking. I looked at <coughs> the lukewarm church last time, Laodicea, but let's just run briefly through it and that way we're done with it for, for, for this. Um, so let's continue here in verse 14. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot, I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see as many as I love I rebuke and chasten therefore be zealous and repent behold I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come into him and dine with him and he with me to him who overcomes I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne and again finally he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches this is like truth under fire and the lukewarm church. And I went into detail last time about how the, they had a, a pool in the middle of the town, Laodicea. They had the middle, cold mineral waters coming down from the mountains and the, uh, the warmer springs six or seven miles south of the city uh, coming through aqueducts up to the town. So when it came to that pool in the middle of the town, it became lukewarm and really undrinkable at that point. So, the dark forces of evil are working against God's people. And not only in that time, but now. Some say that prophetic foundations are being laid down now by the events in the world. And Jesus says, Amen. He's true, the truth of his message, which we should heed. He's saying, he's saying to them, the later season church, that they were not effective in their work by being lukewarm they weren't being effective as they could have been. They minted their own coins in Laodicea, um, and they also produced a, a certain type of a, a black wool, uh, which commanded higher prices. So again, it was one of these cities that had tremendous wealth, not only from that, but from the I salve, which they also produced, um, at the time, which was sold around the Roman Empire. So he always had a message that was relevant to each church here, as as you notice. But um, they had money and lived in a culture where they had plenty of distractions. That sounds very familiar to us, doesn't it? They were self-sufficient. But it shows us in our life today, especially in the the Western world, we're comfortable in our lifestyle and we've forgotten about God. A heartfelt turnaround was necessary. Their money could not buy what he was offering if they listened to his message, there was hope. He's offering them an invitation to dine with him. They did not recognize the knock on the door because they weren't spiritually sound. So these challenges to the churches, Christ shows they could be overcome because he wants us to prevail. So I'll just wrap it up here briefly because we're, we are out of time. So basically, wh- what is the summary we can learn from these seven churches? What am I saying here? So, as as Jesus himself, he keeps reiterating it. Wake up, be alert. We cannot get caught up in our luxuries. And benefits of living here, especially in the United States of America and the Western world. There's so many awesome and wonderful things and I'm blessed and glad that I emigrated here, became a citizen 14 years ago, moved here from Britain in 2002. It is the greatest country in the world. Absolutely, the United States is the greatest country in the world. Sorry, Matt. It, it takes over that, that position. Britain is still awesome, don't get me wrong. Maybe number two, but I think the U.S. is number one. <laughs> so, um, But uh, we must not forget what Christ has done for us. We must never forget our calling, what he did for us. What we're doing now is important And we have to display the character of Christ daily. Yes, we have to do that. But the bigger picture, the the promise he has for us, (coughs) right, shows us so much more. He is returning. There will be tribulation, persecution. Unfortunately, billions of people will die all over the world. That's later on in the book of Revelations. Um, up to almost half of the world's population will die in various pestilence, disease, wars, famines, and so on. Unfortunately, it's going to happen. And as it currently stands, that's close to 4 billion people, you know, 3 or 4 billion people. It's, it's, it's something we can't imagine because it, it's never happened before, has it, in human history? Unfortunately, I don't think it's very far away. But... He has given us his spirit, and he has promised us eternity as sons and daughters in the family of God. See, that's the the, the better promise, the bigger promise. Those of us who have ears to hear, hear what the spirit says to the churches. And I want to finish by looking at one more scripture. One more scripture. Luke chapter 21, verses 34 through 36. Let's finish with this. Verse 34. This is Jesus Christ telling him, us, telling the people about them, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and that they come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore, and pray always, that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man.